Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to a very, very spooky episode of the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. Um, I hope everyone is doing good this week. I have had a very interesting, like, last two weeks. Uh, so I've been kind of on, like, a, like, a childhood movie nostalgia tangent with my grandma because I love my grandma, but she hasn't been paying attention to pop culture in the last 20 years, so there's like a mountain of movies I'm making her watch, and uh, most recently I made her watch the Narnia movies because she was actually interested in watching them, and she liked them. She liked the first one the best so far. Prince Caspian was a close second. We haven't watched... Voyage of the Dawn Treader yet, but but we're working on it, and um, if you follow me on Twitter at LongMaceRain2, just saying, you should probably follow me on Twitter if you want updates on this show. Um, uh, you'd know that I made her watch the National Treasure movies as well, because, you know, they were a childhood favorite of mine. And uh, she she really liked them. She actually thought they were genuinely good. Um, I was curious if she knew who Nick Cage was um, before we watched the movie. And she was like, oh, I don't think so. But maybe when uh, we see him on screen, I'll know who he is. And the minute he got on screen, she was like, oh, Nick Cage, I know who that is. So that was a learning curve for her. Um, Alright, let's get into today's topic. Today we are discussing the infamous Elizabeth Bathory. Now, you may have heard of her, you might have not, but uh, she is in the Guinness World Book of World Records, I'm sorry, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records as the most prolific female serial killer in history. Uh, she was rumored to be able to turn into a bat, and she was also rumored to bathe in the blood of virgins, and she might have also been the inspiration for a certain Count Dracula, but no one's quite sure how true that is. I'm really interested so I'm really excited to be talking about her today because she, like, fascinates me to no end. So let's get into it. All right. So Elizabeth Bathory was born on the 7th of August, 1560 in, oh no, Hungarian name. I'm sorry. Um, Nirabasher, Hungary. I think that's right. It is spelled very weird. I really should be spelling these things out phonetically before. <laughs> I do these. Um, So her parents were George Bathory and his wife, Anna Bathory. And of course, her being born on August 7th makes her a Leo, which I actually found kind of interesting for her. Because like one of the stereotypes about Leos is that they're like very optimistic and humorous individuals, but they're like also attention seekers, which I, I think fits her very well because she was... Um, known to be very witty and charming and beautiful, but, like, also very, very vain. Like, she had, like, a lot of, like, beauty remedies, and she was obsessed with how beautiful she was. So I think this, like, really tracks for her in terms of personality, which is good. I'm obviously aware that uh, zodiac signs don't uh, determine your personality, but sometimes it's interesting when they just, like, hit right on the dot, you know? All right, uh, let's talk about Elizabeth's parents. Her dad was uh, George the... 
sorry, Baron George VI Bathory, and her mom was Anna Bathory. Now, the Bathorys were a very prestigious Hungarian noble family. In fact, her last name Bathory actually means, like, brave, and I believe they, it's like, they have that last name because there's this, like, legend about their family, like, all the way back up into, like, medieval times where an ancestor of Elizabeth, like, killed a dragon or some shit, and they were like, you, you're brave, so we're gonna call you Bathory. So I guess dragons are a thing that they thought were real at some point. Um, anyway, what, what I'm basically trying to say is Elizabeth had a lot of connections growing up, and the Bathory's basically owned Hungary. Like, that was the thing. Some of the connections she had was, uh, her uncle, whose name I think was, like, Andrew or something, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, he was a Vavoid, Voivoid, Vavoid, we'll go with Vavoid, of Transylvania, which was, like, a very, very high up position in Hungary, and her other uncle on her mom's side actually got elected king of Poland at one point, and I think he might have also been a prince of Transylvania, I don't know, I, I might have gotten the two brothers mixed up on both of her sides. Anyway, she had a pretty good start out in life because her family was really, really rich. They were dripping in jewels. Uh, One of the first things I read about her childhood was that she actually had um, epilepsy, which she might have totally gotten from the fact that her parents were first cousins. (laughs) Um, But I think if you've been on this podcast for a while, you realize that uh, noble families and royal families really don't care about the effects of incest as long as a deal is worked out between two families. They they don't care what happens to the kid <laughs> due to the effects of incest. Anyway, um, if you don't know what epilepsy is, it's kind of this like disorder that can like cause a person to have like intense seizures. Like I said, which was probably due to the fact that her parents were first cousins, but we do not need to unpack all of that. Uh, because of this disorder, there are, like, stories from, like, later on in her life that talk about how when Elizabeth, like, was a little kid, they would, like, rub blood on her lips from someone who didn't have epilepsy as a treatment to, like, help her. And obviously it didn't help because doctors in Hungary, like, sucked. Well, doctors in this time period just tended to suck. They would just, like, you know, be like, should we bleed her? Maybe that'll help or something. (laughs) Obviously this treatment didn't help. But there's a lot of speculation from this story um, that this is where she got her taste for blood and that she was trying to, uh, like, cure herself with, like, her murderous urges. But we're not 100% sure if the story is even true or not, but we, we do know she had epilepsy. Alright, uh, I kind of want to go back to Elizabeth's dad again because I actually read some interesting stuff from her childhood about her dad. Now, Georgie boy, he was a tough and scary motherfucker who um, doled out punishments like Oprah giving out free cars to, her, <laughs> to the members of her audience. George Bathory was like, you get tortured, you get tortured, everyone gets tortured! Woo! <laughs> uh, I actually read her story that I read a story that her dad wanted to uh, punish this servant. Um, I'm not quite sure what the guy did. He might have, like, stole something, something like that. And he sewed this poor servant up in a dead horse and just left him there. Wow. (laughs) Can can you imagine him just, like, sitting there, like, sewed up in the dead horse and being like, ah, help me. And everyone was like, no, we're not helping you. (laughs) 
Um, Elizabeth's dad also participated in tons of other torturous activities that he liked to do to his servants. There was whipping them and beating them and other stuff like that, because I guess that's what he did in his free time. Um, now, a lot of people are under the impression that this is where Elizabeth might have gotten her, like, cruel, um, urges from growing up watching her dad be, like, a scary motherfucker, which, you know, it makes plenty of sense when you, like, think about it, so, uh, that's probably where she got all that from. Um, now, getting away from the weird sadistic stuff, uh, let's take a moment to talk about what she looked like and her education. Now, I couldn't find any accounts on what she actually looked like. Like, there are no, like, she had this hair color and this eye color and blah, 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 blah. But there are uh, several portraits of her still in existence. And as far as I read, uh, she was considered to be very, very pretty. Um, in the some of the portraits I found of her, she has uh, brown hair and dark brown eyes. And she seems to have a nice complexion. And, you know, as far as portraits go for the time period, I'd say she looks pretty fucking bomb. Um, in terms of education, I couldn't really find a lot of specifics, but, like, every account I ever read, like, wouldn't shut up about how well-educated she was, because in Hungary in this time period, in the 1500s, it was not exactly as fashionable as it was in the rest of Europe to educate your daughters or to really, like, educate anyone in anything other than, like, battle or something. I even read a, a lot of Hungarian men and women, like, even high up people in the nobility couldn't even read, so it's very impressive to me that she, you know, got an education in the first place. It's pretty awesome. Uh, she would have been known to speak upwards of about four languages, which were Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek, which is very impressive. Impressive. <laughs> she probably would have been taught the typical female stuff, like embroidery, dancing, and music. You know what? Now that I think about it, embroidery, dancing, and music actually sounds like fun. Can I get taught that in school, too? <laughs> And uh, she was also raised Protestant because, you know, by this time the Reformation happened a few decades previous. So like many uh, Eastern European countries, uh, they converted over to Protestantism because, you know, they preferred it over being, you know, controlled by the Catholic Church. Uh, so Elizabeth's religious education would have been like fucking top notch. Um, I also read she was very interested in mathematics and science as a child. Specifically, she liked botany, which is like plant science and stuff like that. And uh, she was considered to be a very smart and headstrong little girl, which I think is awesome that she was sm smart. Because like I said, so many people in 1500s Hungary, especially women, <laughs> weren't really allowed to be smart because, you know, no one taught them anything. Alright, I have one more quick story before we move on from her childhood, and I thought it needed to be included because I found it super duper interesting. So there was this rumor that came up about her like many, many years after she died, that when she was 13, Elizabeth fell in love with a peasant boy who was referred to as Bendy. That was his last name. It's spelled B-E-N-D-E. Uh, this kid worked in the castle where Elizabeth was at the time, and apparently they did the nasty, and she got pregnant and had a baby girl named Anastasia. Uh, and the baby was, of course, promptly taken away to be raised by uh, the boy's family because they didn't want to deal... <laughs> Elizabeth's family did not want to deal with a bastard <laughs> fathered by a peasant boy. And I read that um, after the baby was born, the poor peasant boy who was the father was tortured and killed and possibly castrated and that was fed to dogs and then he was eaten by dogs. Yeah. Hungary in the 1500s, guys. 
Uh, yeah, so that happened, uh, probably. And apparently later in life, Elizabeth accused that dude of, like, rape, but, like, I don't know how true any of this is. The evidence on this is, like, super spotty since it came up after she died, but it absolutely makes for an interesting story to think that, like, that happened to her. All right, it's time to get our girl married. Um, so when Elizabeth was about 10 years old, uh, her father got in negotiations with this dude named, oh no, Hungarian name. Okay, I can do this. Fairnick Nadasti. Nadasti? Okay, that's what we're going with. Uh, they got into negotiations with this guy and his family, and since I know I just butchered that pronunciation because, you know, Hungarian is hard, I'm just gonna call Fairnick Fred to make it easier for me. Alright, let's get to know Fred. Uh, he was a part of the, the Nadasti family, which was an incredibly influential Hungarian family, just like the Bathory's. However, they were not, like, nearly as old as the Bathory's, like, they had only been, like, nobility for, like, a couple of generations. So, uh, believe it or not, this was actually a bit of a marriage down for Elizabeth. Um, I wasn't able to find much on Fred, but here is what I can tell you. Uh, I know for a fact that he was about five years older than Elizabeth, which is, you know, an okay age gap for the time. I mean, her scary dad could have, like, married her to a 50-year-old just because he could. It's very nice that he did not. Um, by the time Fred was an older teenager, he was an orphan as both his parents had unfortunately died. I don't really know what they died of. I don't know, like, 1500s Hungarian causes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Fred was really interested in uh, making a name for himself in the military because, you know, as I talked about, um, most people in Hungary, especially boys, were taught military stuff rather than, like, actual education. So he wanted to be in the military because, you know, that's what he was good at. And that's pretty much all I have on Fred. He's not as well documented as I would like him to be. Maybe I missed some sort of source that would have given me more. But that's pretty much all we know about Fred. Um, their marriage went ahead in 1575 when Elizabeth was the ripe old age of 15. They got married at this cozy little castle in the town of Verano, which when I googled it, I thought Verano didn't sound like a Hungarian name for a town. So I googled it and it said it was in Italy, but like that doesn't make a lot of sense like am I dumb <laughs> or something because like why would they go to Italy to get married or like maybe like the borders were different back then and like Hungary stretched down into this town at the time I I don't know anyway uh Freddie boy would have been about 19 years old at the time of marriage and apparently it was like this gigantic huge fucking deal of a wedding about 4,000 people showed up for this thing and even the holy roman emperor was invited um, we're not talking about the Holy Roman Emperor from the last couple of episodes, not Charles V. This is actually Charles V's nephew, I believe, who eventually became Holy Roman Emperor, uh, after his father was given the title from Charles. It was a whole thing. Um, so he got invited. He didn't end up actually showing up because of the long journey, apparently. Some people actually suspected, like, he snubbed them, like, purposely. But there are other people who were like, oh, no, it was just a long journey. He, he just couldn't make it. He did send a wedding gift to them, though, which was, like, really chill of him. Oh, and, uh, fun fact. When they got married, Freddie Boy actually took Elizabeth's last name. Which is, like, really, like, so fucking weird. People, men don't even do that today. 
Like, and I found out he agreed to it because Elizabeth's family was, like, so much more illustrious than his. So he thought it would be better to take her name and, like, have it hyphenated. So he would have been uh, Fairnick Bathory Nadasty, which is really cool. Uh, But this decision wasn't exactly uh, accepted in social circles. A lot of people referred to Elizabeth throughout her life as Lady Nadasty, which bugged her a lot because she was like, oh, I'm a Bathory. I'm so much better than the Nadasties. Don't call me a Nadasty. Nadasty. Um, immediately after they got married, Fred had to fuck off to Vienna in Austria to finish his, like, warring studies. But don't worry about our girl Elizabeth because she got a pretty fucking fantastic wedding gifts, uh, <laughs> wedding gift in return for her hubby leaving her. Her husband gave her a whole fucking castle as a wedding gift that she got to manage and look after. Now, I looked this castle up and I mean, wow, it's a very, very pretty castle. At least what's, you know, left of it looks pretty cool. Um, It's like falling apart these days. It's basically piles and piles of stone. But I imagine it must have been hella impressive when it was fully intact. It's, like, on top of this hill, and there's a giant courtyard for, like, I don't know, maybe, like, they did torturing in there? I don't know. (laughs) And the walls are, like, huge, and I read it had, like, 17 villages within its boundaries, which meant a lot of taxes being collected, so Elizabeth was rich, rich, richer than she already was. And Elizabeth got to spend her time here as lady of the house while her husband was away. Now, Uh, After Fred finished his studies, he actually got a commission in the military, so he spent a lot of time fighting uh, the Turkish on behalf of Hungary. Uh, One conflict he would have participated in was the Long Turkish War. I wish I was kidding on that name. That is legitimately what it's called. Um, And here are some quick highlights of why they were fighting this war, because I didn't really go too deep into it. But here's basically, here's the cliff notes. Uh, Basically, the Ottoman Empire was like, Hi, everyone. I want the principalities of, what? oh no, Walchia, Transylvania, and Moldova. And the Habsburgs, who had control of these territories, were like, um, no, you you can't. And the Ottoman Empire was like, bet. So the war started. And, you know, I said, I said earlier, Fred was a military man, and he got involved in this conflict, and eventually he became the leader of the Hungarian M- army, and he got the nickname the Black Knight of Hungary, which is very, very spooky and very appropriate for this episode, because he was considered, like, a tough, tough general, and, like, considering, like, the standards of, like, 1500s Hungary with, like, how ruthless everyone was, like, he must have done some, like, serious shit to get the reputation that he was a scary dude. Now, when he went off to fight, Elizabeth really had to, like, step up to uh, protect the people on her land, and it was very common for her to intervene on the behalf of peasant women affected by the war because a lot of the people on her land were affected by the war. Now, there were several instances where Elizabeth intervened on behalf of, you know, destitute women who didn't have a lot of money, including a woman whose husband was captured by the Ottomans. She gave that woman, like, love and support and help and stuff to, like, feed her family while her husband was a war prisoner, and, uh, she also helped another woman whose daughter was unfortunately captured, raped, and got pregnant by an Ottoman soldier. Uh, I also read that her and her hubby would throw huge awesome parties when he came home, because, you know, they were super rich, and he was gone a lot, so it was probably a lot of fun to have a party for them, <laughs> for, sorry, for him when he came back. 
you do what you do when you're rich. I- <laughs> Alright, so believe it or not, this war was one of the reasons why Fred and Elizabeth, like, didn't have kids right away, because, you know, Fred was gone for so long fighting off the Turks, like, it's it's right in the name, it's called the Long Turkish War, so this war lasted nearly a decade, and apparently during this time, Elizabeth, like, took a lot of lovers, so she, like, might have a few bastards out there, I even read that she uh, took female lovers as well, so she might have been bisexual, which is really cool. Uh, but finally, after 10 years of marriage, at the age of 25, Elizabeth gave birth to her first legitimate baby, uh, and it was a little girl that they named Anna, and a few years later, they had a daughter named Orsica, uh, and another daughter named Katya, sorry, Kata, and then last, they had their sons, Andreas and Paul. Um, unfortunately, one of their sons and one of their daughters, I believe it was, uh, Orsica and Andreas ended up dying before they were five years old, which must have been, like, awful for Elizabeth. Like, I can't can't imagine, like, having a child die. Um, and they were left with their three children, Anna, Paul, and Katya. Katya. I'm gonna say Katya, I'm sorry. Um, I wish I could talk about what Elizabeth was like as a mom. I really don't really have much on what she was like around her children. I know she gave them fairly good educations, and it seems like she did genuinely love them a lot from the red- letters. I'm sorry. I'm really tongue twisty today. Uh, the letters I read that sh- where she talked about them. Uh, one thing I did see is that her children were primarily raised by governesses, which, you know, sounds a little harsh, but you have to remember that as a noble, it was, like, super, super common that noble children were sent away for their education and raised by governesses. Um, for example, I actually forgot to mention this, uh, earlier, but when Elizabeth and her husband Fred got engaged, she actually moved in with her future mother and father-in-law, and, you know, they probably had a lot to do with her education, which is maybe why she got such a good one. One, possibly. Um, so basically what I'm trying to say is like don't judge her mothering skills by her having her children raised by governesses because like it was a totally normal thing and I'm sure she loved them a lot. Um, also side note I read that her daughter uh, Kat- Katya was actually her favorite child and to be fair most parents have favorites and if they say they don't they're absolutely lying so Katya was Elizabeth's uh, favorite child. Alright, I want to talk for a second about Fred and Elizabeth's marriage because it's kind of essential to the possibility of where Elizabeth's murdering urges might have come from other than all the stuff we've already talked about, about where she might have gotten it from. So, I read that during their marriage, Fred may, or may not have, uh, totally built a torture chamber in their castle where he and her would torture people for fun because apparently he uh, gained a taste for blood after that very long war and oh my god the stories about like what happened here are fucking crazy now i bet you're wondering who were they getting away with torturing because like that seems like something you can't get away with well much like elizabeth's father before her servants were her and fred's most common victims especially serfs Now, you guys probably remember that term from my Caroline Matilda episode where I mentioned that at that time, during Caroline Matilda's time as Queen of Denmark, they still had serfs, and many countries in Europe in Elizabeth's time had let them go because, you know, it was a feudal system, they didn't need them anymore, like, yeah. But countries like Russia and Hungary and Denmark uh, were, like, not going to give up their labor force because they kind of, like, relied on it, basically. Hungary was pretty much stuck in, like, the 1200s, even though it was the 1500s. Um, 
I did mention that F- in that episode that serfdom is like slavery's little cousin. For anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, I'm going to explain what a serf is. So basically, as a serf, your family is born onto a piece of land, and that land you farm for the people who own it, and you can't leave it unless your owner gives you express, express permission or frees you. And in return, that landowner is supposed to provide protection for serfs from foreign invaders, like the Turkish during the Long Turkish War. But uh, with this, this there was also a lot of gray area in how you could treat serfs, since you own the land that, that they were on, so you basically own them. But yeah. And because of this, Elizabeth and Fred probably knew that they could get away with making these people disappear if they wanted to. And literally no one could do anything about it. And if the stories are true, it would make sense about make sense that they were abducting these people and torturing them because they could do it if they wanted to because they own the land they were on, therefore they own the serfs. Hold on one second, I gotta take a drink. My throat is dry again. Fuck. Alright. So like I said, the stories that were coming out of the castle at the time were like crazy about, like, what Fred and Elizabeth were doing to these servants, and it's, like, pretty messed up, so, like, trigger warning if you don't want to hear about torture. So, uh, they would bring servant girls into the super-secret torture chamber, um, and they had some, you know, interesting forms of torture, which included, but was not limited to, uh, jamming pins and needles under the fingernails. Ow, I can feel it. I can feel it in my fingers. Oh, my God. Uh, They would also tie them down, smear them with honey, and leave them to be attacked by bees and ants in the the spring and summer months when they would have been plentiful. I can also feel the ants crawling up my legs. Oh my god, this is so gross. Uh, One interesting form of torture that I read that they probably would have done to their servant girls was something called um, star kicking, I believe. Uh, So they would soak, like, pieces of, like, paper in oil and they would put them between the girls' feet and, like, light them on fire. And, like, they would be in, like, so much pain that they would start, like, kicking and stuff. And, like, they would see stars because of how much pain they were in. Which is, wow. I mean, Jesus, is this what passed for, like, a fun couple bonding activity in the 1500s? Like, hey, honey, you want to go torture some people as, like, therapy? Um, <laughs> now, because of what they were doing, uh, they started to get a small reputation, like, outside the castle for, like, being bad landlords and for being, like, tough bosses, and, um, from what I read, Elizabeth had more, like, sadistic ideas than Fred and was apparently more violent than he was at Fred, sorry, was more violent than Fred at torturing people, and, uh, some people speculate that, uh, Fred is actually the reason, like, sorry, how do I explain this, um, is actually the reason Elizabeth actually stayed tame for a while, and, like, she didn't go off on a murder spree. Like, he kept her, like, tamed, yeah. (laughs) And uh, her most vicious streak of murders would come a lot later. Okay, so in 1604, Fred ended up passing away. Now, we're not entirely sure what killed him, but it must have been, like, a long illness because he had been sick since about 1601. It was probably from, like, an old war injury that ended up, like, killing him, like, maybe, like, gout or something like that. I don't know. Um, In his will, he did leave Elizabeth a very, very wealthy widow, and she and her children were entrusted to the care of this guy named uh, Gregory Thurzo. Now, I want you guys to keep that name in mind for later because it's going to come back soon. So, Fred entrusted his family to this guy because he was hoping that Elizabeth would marry, um, Grigori to keep her and her children safe. 
Uh, but that never happened because, like, why would you get married when you're, like, a ridiculously wealthy widow with, like, a whole bunch of independence in 15... No, sorry. Uh, well, now 1600s Hungary because I know if I was her, I wouldn't want to get married if I was a ridiculously wealthy independent widow in, in 1600s Hungary. Anyway, so that didn't happen. That didn't pan out. Now, this period after her husband died is when rumors started to, like, really, really, like, come out about, like, the torturous activity. And it's believed that she killed her highest number of women. Uh, she was, she is reported, apparently, to have killed anywhere between 35 women to 650 women at some point. And, like I said, her most common victims were surf girls. Uh... Apparently, during this period, she would... It, it, it got, like, way more intense, like, the torture. She burned them and whipped them and gouged their flesh. And, like, apparently she, like, bit them, which, like, comes back to, like, the whole Dracula thing. Like, the... Uh. Um, she, was, she also apparently had, like, an Iron Maiden that she would, like, trap girls in. And apparently uh, Fred bought that for her, like, as a present. I don't know. Was it like, here, honey, happy birthday. Here's an Iron Maiden. Um... I even read she had a few, like, custom torture techniques designed to, like, fit the crime, like, kind of like capital punishment, I guess. Uh, like, if you were to, like, steal something, a heated coin would be pressed into your skin, which was, like, apparently a very common torture technique for people who stole. Um, there were also rumors, uh, at the time that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep herself youthful. Well, it's a wild thought, uh, this rumor came up nearly 100 years after she died, so it's, uh, it's likely that it's not true, but, you know, it's kind of interesting to think, of, think about. I don't even think it's scientifically, scientifically possible to, uh, bathe in blood, because, like, wouldn't the blood, like, start, like, I don't know, like, getting hard, like, after a while, and you wouldn't be able to bathe in it? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Um, actually, when I read about the idea of her, like, bathing in blood, uh, I immediately thought of the show, like, Outlander. Um, I don't know if you get, any of you guys have seen Outlander, I guess, like, kind of spoilers for, like, the later seasons. So, like, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, just, like, skip a couple minutes ahead. Are you, get, you guys gone? Okay. So, in one of the later seasons, one of the characters, I think her name is Galus Duncan. I haven't seen the show in a while. Uh, she's thought to be a witch, and we see a scene in one of the later seasons where she's bathing in blood. So, I bet they got this from the story of El Elizabeth, which is, like, really cool uh, tie-in. Now, back on her epilepsy, I read a story that uh, Elizabeth punched a servant one day, and because... Uh, she punched the girl in the face because apparently the girl brushed her hair too hard. Yeah, so Elizabeth got blood on her and she was like, wow, this is really great for my skin. <laughs> so, you know, there's another connection to blood for her again. Like I said before, a lot of people think that she was like trying to cure herself. So like she'd like... She was like, wow, this does, this is great. Um, anyway, back on track. Uh, during this time... Uh, as she started to, like, ramp up her killings, uh, a minister started to get a bit suspicious about all the bodies of young women coming from the castle. Now, Elizabeth claimed that they were victims of cholera, which, uh, I believe I read was, like, there was, like, an outbreak of cholera at the time, but, uh, the minister wasn't convincing anyone else that, uh, this was happening, 
And uh, since all her victims were servant girls, no one but this, like, one fucking minister gave a fuck about it, so no one was going to do anything because they were serf girls. She, Elizabeth, could do whatever she wanted. So because of this, Elizabeth uh, kept up her activities, and she got slightly more bold. In 1610, she opened a, a school for young noble. No, young noble ladies, I'm sorry, so that they could, like, learn etiquette. It was basically a finishing school and get an education. So about 25 girls of the lower gentry were sent here. But when they started disappearing too, that's when more people started to take notice of what was going on because people only care about stuff when it affects the rich. Um, you know what, I actually thought of this, like, interesting parallel to that. I don't remember this true. I feel like I read it in a book or something. But... In the Salem witch trials, like, the minute a girl of higher class got accused of being a witch, people were like, whoa, okay, maybe we were taking this witch thing a bit too far. So, you know, that's what that reminded me of. So, uh, when these higher class girls started going missing, the families of these girls took the matter to this dude named uh, King Mathis II of Hungary, who obviously was the king of Hungary, and they were like, yo, um, Elizabeth Bathory is, like, probably a murderer, like, our daughters, like, aren't coming back from finishing school and stuff so like can you do something about this and he was like well all right let's set up an investigation to see what's going on so they started going around elizabeth's like 17 villages getting testimonies from the people who lived who lived there uh about like what they had seen and heard and uh one of the heads of the investigation was none other than gregory thurza see told you he was gonna come back so, uh, Gregory was charged with coming to the truth of what was going on, and over the course of about three months of interviews, he concluded that they needed to arrest her, like, right fucking now, or she was gonna kill more people. So, on December 30th, 1610, Gregory came to Elizabeth's castle to arrest her. Now, according to the letter that Gregory wrote his wife, he said that when he got there, he saw dead bodies everywhere in the castle. There were girls, like who had been, like, stabbed and when they were, like, bleeding out on the floor. There were girls in cages screaming and stuff like that. And I also read that Gregory said that he caught Elizabeth red-handed while burying a body and that she was covered in blood while she was doing this. Now, this is a probably made-up story. I feel like he embellished it a lot. Um, I read that it was more likely that he just caught her having dinner or something and, like, not burying a body, but, like, he probably wanted to, to embellish it because, you know, he thought it would make him cool or something. Now, when Elizabeth was arrested, she was also arrested with a few of her servants who were believed to be her, like, little worker minions. Because, you know, it's hard work to murder that many people that she was accused of murdering. Now, it's not really known how, like, compliant these women were in the murders, especially if they were servants. They were, like, gonna do, like, whatever their boss told them to, because, like, wouldn't you? Uh, But it is believed that at least one of them, uh, Anna Anna Dravola, I believe that's how you pronounce it, was apparently the, like, the head bitch in charge, and she was suspected of helping Elizabeth, like, perfect her torture technique so that it, they would, like, hurt worse. There were also rumors that Anna and Elizabeth were, like, lovers, but, like, I don't think that's a thing that happened. Um, a, a lot of these testimonies we have were admitted to during the servants' trials. Um, Elizabeth wasn't, like, put on trial, even though King Mathis II of Hungary wanted her to be put on trial, but that didn't happen. 
Now, after she was arrested, the question was, well, what the fuck do we do with her? Um, so the matter was discussed with her oldest son, Paul, and her uh, daughter's two husbands. Uh, they knew it would be, like, really, really fucking bad press for Elizabeth to be executed for, like, a capital crime. Uh, not to mention, if she was killed, her property would not be given to Paul, which would have sucked because Elizabeth had a lot of stuff and Paul wanted it. And it would be taken away by the crown. So, uh, Paul and his two brother-in-laws came to an agreement that Elizabeth should be put under house arrest. And her land could be divided up by Paul and, uh, Elizabeth's sons-in-laws. Now, when she was arrested, not everyone was convinced she was guilty of the charges. Because, you know, the evidence was, like, a little shaky in a lot of areas. Um, it's reported that a lot of servants were made to, like, change their stories during testimonies. And a lot of servants that were, like, accused of, like, helping her admitted to things, like, under torture, which, according to the 11th grade law class I took, this would not be admissible in court because they were forced to say it under duress, right? But, like, back then, like, it didn't matter. I think I even read, like, a thing that said, um, back then they thought confessions under torture were, like, more truthful than they would have been, which is, like, such a fucking bullshit idea. You're going to say anything to make the torture stop, right? Um, also, there was a rumor that, like, Elizabeth, like, kept a ledger of every woman she ever killed. But, you know, this was only ever mentioned by, like, one of the servants. One of the servant girls that were accused of helping her. And was, like, never mentioned by anyone else. But, you know, it could totally be true. I mean, serial killers, like, tend to keep trophies from their deaths. But, like, I'm not really sure how cool it was. If it does exist, I, like, really want to see it. Um... <laughs> Now, you're probably wondering at this point, is any of this stuff she's being accused of true? Are any of the stories we know about her factual? To be honest, I have no idea. I could not figure out for the life of me if I believed anything I was reading. And if she's not guilty, I bet you're wondering why would anyone frame her for hundreds of murderers? Now, I was looking around about this and it probably had a lot to do with money, as most things do. Now, uh... For years, Elizabeth's husband, Fred, had been lending money to the Hungarian crown because him and Elizabeth were so rich and the Hungarian crown was, like, really poor. Um, and the crown, at that point, had made no effort to pay it back. And Elizabeth, when she became a widow, had made herself, like, really unpopular with the king, with her, like, frequent trips to him to be like, Hey, do you got our money yet? And Mathis would be like, Oh, yeah, um, I'll get it to you, like, next week. And then he'd never get it to them next week. Um, and King Mathis was probably well aware, as a king, if he could convict Elizabeth of a capital crime, he would not only wipe, wipe out, I'm sorry, wipe out his debt to her, but he would also be able to claim all her money and all her land, which would make him hella hella rich. Um, I really like this theory because it explains, like, so much. And Elizabeth was known to be, like, an incredibly headstrong individual. So it makes a lot of sense for, like, Mathis to, like, silence her and use his considerable power over her to either arrest her of something she didn't do or over-exaggerate her treatment of her serfs. Which, I know murder isn't okay, uh, but, like, it was really, really normal for people to treat their serfs like shit, as I've mentioned. I'm not saying it's okay. And it was totally disgustingly inhumane that she probably treated her serfs in this way. But she might not have been, like, an actual serial killer. You, you know, I, I don't know. That, that, that's my thought. It, it's just that they probably thought she was because of this. Um... But, of course, as I've mentioned, it didn't happen that way because they didn't execute her. 
Um, so they locked Elizabeth up in her own castle where all the murders had, the, all the murders, I'm using quotations right now. Uh, she was locked up in there and her door was bricked up as were the windows so that she couldn't get out. But there was like a little space like left in the brick door so that they could give her like food and other items and like pens and paper and stuff like that. And they just like fucking left her there to rot. Uh, while she was in her captivity, she had, like, very few visitors except for her daughter, Katya, which, as I mentioned, is her favorite daughter. Uh, Katya would bring her ink and parchment so that they could, like, write letters back and forth, because I'm sure Katya missed her mom and stuff. Um, on the 20th of August, uh, 1614, a few years into her imprisonment, it was about four years at this point, Elizabeth was, like, you know, having a normal day in her cell, you know, like, doing nothing and, like, probably contemplating life. Um, she complained to her guard, like, during the day that her hands felt really cold and, like, she was having, like, rapid heart palpitations. And the guard told her, oh, it was, it was probably nothing, just go lay down for a bit and I'll check on you in the morning and the next day the guard went to check on her and she was dead. Elizabeth Bathory, one of the richest women in Hungary, died locked up in her own fucking castle at the age of 54 years old. All right, uh, let's get into her legacy. I mean, oh my god, where do I even start? Elizabeth is considered one of the most prolific female serial killers of all time. She's also thought as one of the insp many inspirations for Dracula, and I think she's actually been, like, really integrated into, like, vampire culture and also uh, serial killer culture, uh, because when my best friend uh, Julia found out I was doing a Halloween episode on a serial killer, um she immediately guessed without me asking for her to guess if it was Elizabeth Bathory. And as you guys know, Julie isn't really into history very much. So I was like shocked that she knew exactly who Elizabeth Bathory was. So, hey, hey, Jules, I hope you enjoy this episode when you hear it because, you know, this is for you. Um, so obviously, clearly, Elizabeth has made a huge impact on pop culture, whether or not she actually did most of the things that she was accused of. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me for this very spooky episode of the Long May She Rain podcast. Happy Halloween, everyone. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at Long May She Rain 2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.